0: Hello ghouls and welcome to Brave the Basement. I'm your host, the ghoul that rules. Black One Jack Two couldn't be with us today due to his scheduling conflict. If you enjoy getting a little scared, ghost stories, haunted houses, a believer in the supernatural or maybe even a skeptic wanted to look at things from a different perspective, then this is the show for you. Today's episode is sponsored by Ed's Barbershop. Ed's Barbershop is located at 210 Lane Street, North Judson, Indiana. So if you enjoy getting your hair cut from a hometown barber with that old-fashioned feel, dial 574 and schedule your appointment today so today is episode 17 of season three so after this episode we're only three episodes away from the season three finale and that is one episode you're definitely going to want to check out as usual we will have a lot of announcements to get through but first, we got to get through today's episode to get to the next episode, to get to the next episode, to finally get to the final episode of the season. So today, we will be talking about some haunted places in Chicago. But before I get into that, we're going to check the ghoul mail. Ghoul mail from the g
1: I never believed in ghosts until this happened to me. I started my career out in a long-term care facility working in the dietary department. I worked my way up and I became manager of this department and I went in early one morning as I would do on certain days to just get things done that had to be done. Before my staff would come in. Well, on this certain day, I came in, it was 3 a.m., which is very early. Usual start time would be 5 a.m. for my staff. And so I came in and I was going through items, inventorying things that had to be done at that time. And our phone rang in the department. And we had a certain resident. We'll call her Mrs. K. She had a um, schedule. I mean, to the T, every day she had it lined up how she wanted her meals or any other aspect of her life. She had it on schedule. She had a certain way. um, Most people would say OCD'd in, in today's time. But we honored her wishes and we prepared her food and we done anything in our department to satisfy mrs. k well the phone rings at 3 a.m and i'm like wow i wonder what's going on who's calling the dietary department this early this isn't a standard hour of operation so i answered the phone and believe it or not it's mrs k Well, Mrs. K always promptly took her breakfast at 5.30 a.m. She understood my staff came in at 5. She wanted her breakfast by 5.30, no exceptions. And I said, Mrs. K, you're early this morning. Is everything okay? And she said, I have an appointment. I will be leaving early today. I must have my breakfast. And I said, well do you want your usual she had two over easy eggs dry wheat toast and a cup of mandarin oranges and she said yes please send up my usual well being that i was the only one there i prepared her meal and there was no one to send it up to so i had to walk up mrs k's mill to her room And Mrs. K was very particular, as she was in all things. She requested always to knock on her door and wait for her to confirm before you may enter her room or um, do anything, actually. She was very private, very proper lady. So I was at her door after I prepared her food, thinking this was so odd, but she had said she had an appointment and she would not be, you know, to receive her food at her normal time. So I knocked on her door, and at this point, the um, nursing staff, all the lights were off other than your, um, I'm not quite for sure what you would call them, but they're like a, a dim hall light in the nursing facility for the nighttime, you know, so residents may rest. And uh, the only the dim lighting was on. And uh, everyone was still in bed. It was it was still a quiet time. And um, I waited for her to respond. And I would say it was probably about 3.45 a.m. by this point that I have her food done. And I'm delivering it to her and waiting for her response. And um, I hear just a, a very soft come in. Well, Mrs. K, she had a suite room. She had a type of room very nice. Um, you know, usually for your private pay uh the more up to do I guess residents. And she had a bedroom that had a separate type of it was very small. Because you have to imagine, it's it's still nursing home, but it's still considered a suite because she had a living area and her own personal restroom and all of those things. And um, I, she said that I could come in. And so the norm with Mrs. K would be to deliver the the tray on a cart into her living area. And she would do the rest from there. And we would pick up the tray after she's all done with any other residents that made breakfast at that time. We didn't have a lot of usuals that um, ate that early, but every once in a while there was appointments. It wasn't unusual to have to serve an early morning breakfast. And so I went ahead and I, I took the tray into the room and I left the setup as I would any other morning. And I just called out because it appeared to be that she was in her back her back like a uh, bedroom area where her bedroom was bathroom and I just said have a good morning hope everything goes well with you miss K and I closed the door upon leaving and walked back down to um the kitchen and continued on with my day well later that afternoon I had to run upstairs to do um I, I some kind of report something and I was sitting at the nurse's station looking through the paperwork and seeing what um you know results labs and things that was part of my job that I would follow and I overheard a conversation and um I, I stopped doing what I was doing to listen and two nurses were speaking about Mrs. K so I piped in and I said has Mrs. K returned back from her appointment? She called me. I couldn't believe she got me to make her breakfast before her early morning five thirty start. She wanted it as soon as I got in early this morning, and I told him I believe it was about three forty five that I delivered that, and I was like, you know, I bet you that really messed up Mrs. K's day because. She was always a scheduler, and she wanted things done at certain times in certain ways and and she just had her routine and Both nurses stopped talking and just stared at me, and so I started to feel strange, and I'm like, "Why are you two looking at me and um, the one nurse said, "You did know Mrs. K passed, did you not?" I said, "When did something happen at her appointment?" And they said, "Miss K passed at three a.m. this morning." And goosebumps covered my entire body, and my hair stood up. And I said, "No, Mrs. K called me. I spoke to her, and she said she had an early morning appointment." And to please bring up her breakfast tray. I made her two over easy eggs with the dry wheat toast and cup of mandarin oranges. And delivered it into her room. And she told me to enter about 3.45 this morning. And they said no. Mrs. K passed. We timed it at 3 a.m. this morning. Literally I just. I couldn't even speak. One nurse said I turned pale, pale white later when they talked about it, but that was, and to this day has remained, the scariest event that I have ever, ever had the experience of.
0: And that was in response to uh, last week's episode, Ghosts at Work. So uh, if you go to bravethebasement.weebly.com and check out our featured ghoul mail page you can find this story. So today we're going to be talking about Haunted Chicago. And uh, Chicago has always been one of my favorite cities because I, was, I grew up as a big fan of the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Bears. And uh, actually my dad still believes it's 1985 because uh, his favorite team of all time is the 85 Chicago Bears. So the first place we're going to talk about is Death Alley behind the James M. Nederlander Theater. Today, it's known as the Nederlander Theater, but in 1903, it was called the Iroquois Theater and became the site of an infamous fire. Despite claims that the building was fireproof, during the blaze, the fire doors were locked, trapping 2,000 patrons inside. When the flames subsided, 602 people were pronounced dead, 212 of them children. It took more than five hours to retrieve the bodies and the alley behind the theater functioning as a temporary morgue. Today, reports of faint cries, apparitions, and feelings of being touched or even pushed by invisible entities have been reported in that same spot, hence the nickname death alley Uh, the next place we're going to go ahead and talk about is the h.h holmes murder castle the former home of the country's first serial killer h.h holmes is located in chicago's englewood neighborhood while the building has been replaced by the local post office the site was originally the location of holmes's infamous murder castle were allured, unsuspecting patrons of Chicago's nineteen. sorry, 1893 World's Fair, built in 1893. Holmes hired multiple contractors for various portions of the project to ensure that no one person aside from himself knew the floor plan, Knew the floor plan in its entirety. The bizarre blueprint included stairs and hallways that led to nowhere, oddly angled hallways and windowless rooms designed to disorient and trap his victims it's hard to know definitively just how many people Holmes murdered and although he confessed to 27 most of whom were women some historians believe the number to be in the 200s today maintenance workers report odd sightings and feelings of intense anxiety while in the new building's basement where most of the murderers took place It's been over 120 years since Holmes terrorized the Englewood neighborhood, but his legend is very much alive. If you want to read more of Holmes' life and experiences, are the subject of the bestseller, Devil in the White City. So now we're going to move on to the couch mausoleum in Lincoln Park. The southern edge of a picture-perfect Lincoln Park originally served as a massive city cemetery throughout the mid-1800s. During the Great Chicago Fire, all the wooden grave markers were destroyed, except the limestone couch memorial crypt that still stands at the south end of Lincoln Park. In 1998, workers digging on the site discovered the remains of more than 80 people including one perfectly preserved body sealed in a 19th century iron coffin. Experts estimate that more than 12,000 bodies may remain buried throughout the park to this day. So I've been to the Lincoln Park Zoo, but I have never been to this cemetery. So now we're going to head on over to the Chicago Water Tower. This downtown landmark has a tragic history. Located along the Magnificent Mile, this striking Gothic Revival building is home to a large water pump intended to draw water from Lake Michigan. The iconic limestone building was one of the few to survive the devastating Great Chicago Fire of 1871, but it wasn't devoid of tragedy. History holds that as the flames raged, one brave worker stayed behind to tirelessly man the pumps. As the fire inched ever closer... And with no salvation in sight, he retreated to the upper floors of the tower where he hung himself. Multiple reports have claimed that a shadowy figure can be seen in a tower's top floor windows. And absolutely no list would be complete without a haunted hotel. Uh, This one is called the Congress Plaza Hotel. Named the most haunted place in Illinois by travel and leisure, The Congress Plaza Hotel's history begins with the 1893 World's Fair. The luxurious hotel was built to help house the influx of visitors to the city during the fair and quickly became the focus of rumors. For instance, some say that the mobster Al Capone and his cohorts ran their headquarters and even committed gruesome crimes there, although these claims have come under some scrutiny. Mob rumors aside, if you find yourself spending the night in the South Tower, you might just run into Pegleg Johnny, the spirit of a man who was brutally murdered in the alley behind the hotel. Who was he? And the circumstances of his death remain a mystery. The North Tower has its own urban legends. Hotel staff have reported seeing the apparition of a playful young boy on the 12th floor. He is believed to be the spirit of a child who along with the siblings, was thrown from the North Tower by his mother. She, too, jumped to her death. The most haunting, however, takes place in room 441. Visitors have often reported seeing the silhouette of a woman as well as objects in the room move or lights turning on and off at random. The room is even believed to be the inspiration of Stephen King's horror story, 1408, about a haunted hotel room. And like I said, absolutely no list is complete when you're talking about haunted places if you don't at least get a hotel room snuck in there somewhere. If you would like to become a Brave the Basement ghoul, be sure to share this show on social media. Go to bravethebasement.weebly.com and sign up for our newsletter to get all the latest news and updates when each episode has been posted. If you have a ghost story you would like to share, you could reach us at Basement at gmail.com. Your story can make it on the show and be featured on the website. You can also submit your story on Reddit under the subreddit Brave the Basement or in the YouTube comment section. If you have an eerie ghost photo you would like to share, please email us and include a description, and your photo could be added to our photo gallery. And that brings us to the end. We hope that we brought you just a little fright. And remember when you were up late at night and you hear something in the other room that just doesn't seem right? It's okay if you need to turn on the light to protect yourself from things that go bump in the night. I'm your host, Gould that rules, and I hope you join us again. Until next time.